Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Okay, quick, before we get into this whole deal, we are doing this a little different. So right now, because of the whole COVID situation and all the crap going on, everybody's at home, and we're all going to be technically video calling, well, we, not technically, we are video calling in to the Bucketorium. So we're trying this video conferencing podcast for the first time. I consider myself a, a redneck who likes to hunt that has a podcast on the side. I don't consider myself a podcaster that just likes to hunt on the side, uh, which is me personally. I think if you have a hunting podcast, that's how it should be. You should be a hunter first and a nerd second. And that's how I consider myself. So I apologize in advance um, if everything goes well, this will be a video podcast, uh, within a day or two of the audio launching. So hopefully it all works out. Um, hopefully Phillip's got good enough service where he is. Um, I think he's at Turkey camp. I'm not a hundred percent. Um, but if he's not, it'll just be, end up being a one-on-one and you'll know once we dive into it, that's what happened. So just being honest and straightforward. Cause that's the way you got to be a uh, big shout out to our partners. HHA Sports, uh, Single Pin Sites, our whole crew is shooting the Tetra this year. I highly suggest giving them a shot. Um, check them out. Use code WCB15, I think is our code there. Uh, podcast also presented by Scent Crusher. We've been using Scent Crusher for a really long time. Really proud to be working with them again for another year. Awesome ozone generating products. Super relevant right now because it can help kill flu virus and a bunch of bacteria. So first thing I do when I get home, I run the room clean and hit my work clothes with it before I even walk into my house and spend time around my daughter and all that. Um, the podcast also brought to you by Thermoseat, Victory Archery, Elite Archery, <clears throat> which we are proud to announce that we are doing Elite Cure Giveaway. You can get to our Facebook or Instagram. We have a link there. You can get on there. You fill out a form, um, and then basically you're entered to win a new, a brand new cure. So <clears throat> check that out. EliteArchery.com and basically if you follow Elite or us, you're going to see that link. Um, also, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Uh, we just dropped a Dequisto Series podcast, which I consider one of the best podcasts I've ever done. Um, I 
just think it's super engaging. Cody and Andre are just so knowledgeable. Um, their camera arm launched for orders. So if you're interested in getting that camera arm or you planned on buying it anyway, use code WCB to save yourself some coin on that. Um, also, podcast is presented by Big Time. Use code WCB2020. Save yourself 20% on their food plot line that just came out. So I know a lot of you guys are thinking about jumping in the food plot game. Um, also brought to you by Hunter's Blend Coffee, Old Barn Taxidermy, Can Cooker, and Loophole Optics. And I'm just going to dive right into it. We're going to try this out. Hopefully everything works smoothly here in a um, little middle of nowhere in New Windsor. Um, I got garbage internet, so I'm honestly, I'm kind of stressed about it. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Hopefully the technical difficulties aren't uh, too much to where you want to shut this off. And like always, we appreciate the support. So we'll see you on the other side. All right, we're recording. Steve, you can kick off the veteran shout out. And uh, man, this feels weird. It does feel weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird one, man. I'm glad everybody's here. Uh, you know, we're we're all doing the best we can. Uh, vet shout out this week is uh, is our uh, our buddy Tyler Kath from TNK Hunting Products. Now he is very abrasive, but he's a man with a mission, and he just opened a storefront. Right, he's got his first storefront. During when all this is going down, all this, you know, quarantining and everything shutting down. So just, you know, hey, want to thank him for his service and uh, just, hey, we're thinking about you, man. You're you're chasing the American dream in a very tough time. So, um, yeah, I yeah, hope the best for him. And uh, that's uh, that was the, the vet shadow is Tyler Kath, TK Hunting Products. Uh, very colorful Instagram if you get a chance to see it. Very colorful. <laughs> we're following. I like Thanks for your service, Tyler. Uh, and I do have another um, another shout out that I would like to do. Um, our buddy Joe Humphreys from Big Time. We all know him. Oh, Joe. Um, I spoke to spoke to Joe um, earlier today. He has a, a very good friend of his um, who does have COVID nineteen, and um, but the guy is a firefighter, and just he's one of the guys on the front lines. He's he's the guy that's going after it. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to keep us all safe and things and. Um, he wanted to say the guy's name is John, uh, Schofstall. Uh, so John's full-time firefighter in Terre Haute. Uh, he's been diagnosed with Corona is hospitalized in the ICU at union hospital in Terre Haute fighting, fighting it every night at eight o'clock. The department, uh, all the departments from Vigo County show up at the hospital and send a prayer and support, uh, support, uh, for John's wife, two kids. And they haven't been able to see him since he's been hop- hospitalized. So they're in quarantine too. Um, he said when John isn't at, at the firehouse, he's running the business, running his business, the deer barn, working on customers, food plots and, uh, helping with management programs. So John's 42. Um, sounds like he's in a, he's in a tough spot. They're trying to pull through, but you know, that he's got all the support, um, from all the firefighters and just, uh, anyone who's out there, uh, around that hospital, eight o'clock every night, all the fire departments come through and they face his window and they, they'll put up all the sirens. Everyone turns their flashers on. So, cool. you know, we're all trying to come together at, at a time. Like, we're all trying to come together. When we're all apart. It's a very, very tough thing to do, but you know, Hey, and we got to, we got to struggle through it. And we're thinking about everybody that's out there too. For sure. Well, thank yeah. you for delivering the veteran shout outs. Appreciate the veterans out there. And thank you guys for your service. Uh, means a lot. It means we can just do this and get on a, uh, Virtual podcast and drink, drink beer. 
And I, I yeah. used to get Bush Light for this one for a Wisconsin beer. And I don't have to drive home after the podcast. Hey, that's a, that's a plus of my day. <laughs> Eric's still going to get too drunk to get home. And he's out of town. Philip, thank you for joining us, man. I know this is kind of a pain in the rear to do video podcasts, and I know you're quarantined and all that. It looks like the good life in there. What's up, man? Well, not much, buddy. I tell you what, just glad to be here, and and I'm somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm actually doing what I love to do, and that's turkey hunting. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a quarantine situation, staying in a camper, and just kind of roughing it. But uh, you know, this is, uh, you know. With your sponsor partners and everybody out here, I still feel like I have an obligation to uphold. And plus, this is what this is my life. This is what I live and love to do. And I can't think of a better way to be quarantined than outside. Can you? I mean, out in God's great outdoors, buddy. Yeah, sure. that's that's sure. my opinion. What state are you in? I'm actually in Oklahoma. The center state. Yeah, I thought you weren't going to tell us. You're like, I'm quarantined. You don't need. To- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so far back in the sticks here. I don't think you have to worry about it. I haven't. I haven't been to a gas station, any place to eat or anything. I like when I tell you I'm roughing it. I'm roughing it. I do have a shower in here though, so I can can take a shower. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Brush my teeth and take a shower. Yes. Leaves. How rough is it? Uh how rough is what? it? Toilet paper or are you using leaves? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, I got the lethal wipes. I'm good. Good <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Stocked up. Great plug. <laughs> yeah, I've got the lethal wipes, so I'm good. I don't have to worry about the toilet paper situation. <laughs> good deal. Good deal. It. Well, should we just jump into some Facebook turkey questions? Because there's a lot in here that I want to know. I wanted to talk decoin, and I'm sure that's in here somewhere. And we'll just shoot them off on the fly here. Yeah. First of all, I want to say real quick, because you guys, I appreciate what y'all are doing for the veterans and everyone out there that's serving this country right now. That's, I mean, having to do it. And you were talking about the gentleman that had the COVID-19 and uh, Mm -hmm. my thoughts and prayers go out to all those people. And we're so blessed to have you guys out here doing above and beyond probably the call of duty right now, because this is, this COVID-19 is not anything to mess with. And when I get back, I'm going to have to be quarantined from, I've got a four-year-old granddaughter that I can't be around because she has Crohn's disease. And I can't be around Rhonda because basically she uh, uh, has to take blood thinner every day on the end situation. So they're prone to something like this. So we have to be careful and think about our loved ones. But I wanted to give a big shout out to everyone and thank you for your service. For sure. Yeah, definitely. It's something to think about, man. It's like, I would just don't want my daughter to get it. That's my main concern, but it's, absolutely the underlying issue thing is, is a big, big deal. So, well, I mean, Hey, if you're going to be away, turkey hunting ain't a bad deal. So but it does, <laughs> yeah, your family, and stuff right. like that, but this will, I have a feeling this will be over pretty quick. Hopefully. Me too. I sure hope so. I think, uh, I think uh, hopefully we're getting a handle on it, you know, For sure. and it, it'll start looking up. For sure. Well, man, you want me to chip through some questions? Let's talk turkeys. Let's talk turkey, buddy. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just going to start chipping down the list here a little bit, and then maybe I'll get bored and jump around. We'll see here. Um, Bill Murray, he asks, 
When you roost a bird, how close do you try and set up the following morning, not knowing his travel pattern? Do you try and get him fired up on the limb or wait until he flies down? Okay, good question, and, and I'm sure you're going to have a lot of different answers. But in my experience, if I know if I roost a bird, I'm going to try to get in, in his bubble. I'm going to try to get as tight on him as I can. Now, you have to be careful, and you got to do it in the dark and try to get set up because you don't know where he's wanting to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be the first hen that he hears. Once he gobbles and he answers that call of mine, I'm not going to do probably not much anything else unless I have other hens talking. Now, then if he's got hens winning, then I'm going to try to do whatever lead boss hen over there. I'm going to try to mimic her, and I'm going to try to do it just a little bit better and sexier because I want to be the sexiest <laughs> hen that son of a gun has heard. Does that answer the question? <laughs> but I got to ask, what makes That answers a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> you're yelping i need to know what's that okay uh, the first call i'm probably going to make at him if i'm in there tight and when you're going to say well how tight it depends on the terrain if i can get 50 60 yards of that gobbler i'm going to try to do it if i know the the terrain and and a lot of things that you can do if you don't know the terrain obviously is you know uh, hunt stand or something like that onyx things like that, look at the train from your phone there, kind of get an idea, but uh, if you're hunting on an area you don't know. But here's what you got to watch for, guys. When you're getting in tight on the turkey and you don't, a lot of times you don't know the terrain and which way it's going, watch for fences. Watch for little bluff lines or down trees, uh, ditches between you and the turkey. Things like that will hang a gobbler up, and that's what you got to be careful of if you don't know the train. So that's what I say. If you can get in that bubble tight and uh, sometimes you can't get within 120 to 125 yards or so to a turkey, depending, especially if he's got a bunch of hens with him. Mm-hmm. But in certain situations, I'm going to try to take a chance and get in there tight because, and there again, as us guys videoing, we got to wait till camera light. So you have to consider that, especially if you're in the timber. If right. you're at the edge of the field, obviously that's different. So will you so. consider because of the camera, does that really differ like how tight in the bubble? Because, you know, if you get too close in the bubble, you're, by the time it, you can shoot legally, it might not be short yes. the camera. Well, legal shooting time, in all honesty, especially on the timber, uh, uh, you can kill a turkey, but you can't get good video. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, the cameras I got are pretty good in low light, but still you have to consider that um a little bit but uh you know the way i look at it i'm a hunter and most of the guys that are watching our stuff nowadays i think in the same situation if it's the footage is a little grainy so be it it's still that's what your average hunter average joe's going to do he's not going to wait you know until you you know unless you decoys out there and you're just letting him wear the decoys out that's a different question though because what what i was asked they're probably not going to be any decoys involved because timber is tough to decoy them in unless you got old log roads or some kind of an opening. You right. know, it's it's tough for the gobblers to see that. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, okay, so this this question's from Trevor Schmidt, um, good buddy, mm-hmm. listener. He asked, this is kind of really, a large group of hens 
and toms fly down from the roost. The toms have plenty of girls to choose from. Best way to try and pull one of those birds from the group of hens. So this is where your sexy comes in. There's where your calling technique comes in, uh, obviously. And there again, there's a lot of variations. We're not talking decoys or anything yet. So say you're set up in there. Uh, most of the time when you've got that many hens, they're going to be vocal. And you're going to have that old boss hen that's probably acting like the queen there. And there again, I want to mimic her and I want to out-sex her. I'm just telling you right now, I want to out-call her. And whatever she's doing, I'm going to try to mimic it and do it just a little bit better. And remember to put personality, put pizzazz in your call. Don't be so monotone. You know, uh, lift it up, act excited, you know, when you're calling. And put that personality in that call. And a lot of times that will do it. It depends on, there again, how close you are to the gobbler and his hens. But where you want to be, ideally, is think about this. You want to be in between. And remember this, if you never get anything else out of this podcast, get in between where the gobbler is and where he wants to go. In this case, you're wanting to get in between where the hens is probably going to take him and where they want to go. So think about that to the best of your ability. And that right there will make a whole lot of difference on whether you're going to get an opportunity at that old gobbler or not. Because if you can get in between and then with your sexy calling, you might just be able to pack that old boy on your back and head to the truck. Give him a piggyback to your truck, as Eddie Salter would say. <laughs> like that. <laughs> old sad daddies. Yeah. When you're trying to do your calling, are you longer, shorter yelps? Like, how do you? Well, and, and I don't have it. I'm sorry. I didn't bring you turkey calls in here to, to kind of give you the examples. But uh, I'm not bashful about calling. That's one thing about me. Turkey calling, killing turkeys is about calling that rascal in for me. Um, so I'm not bashful. But, you know, if, if a hen, if she's doing them old loud yelps, I'm going to do that. If she's, if she's clucking and purring, I'm going to do that. And a lot of guys may have to do that. I, I can do it really good with my natural voice. For one thing, I kill a lot of turkeys in close with my natural voice because I can't quite call low enough sometimes with, with a mouth call, even though I can do it with a mouth call pretty good. And, and I try to do it with a mouth call when I can because it probably sounds better when I'm using a mouth call or a slate or a glass call. Depending, you know, when you got that many turkeys around, and me being a bow hunter, for the most part, uh, it's tough to, you know, I lay that, I may lay that call down on the ground where I can, if, I, if I'm hunting with a shotgun, I've got it up on my knee here, you know, and I may be using the other hand to yelp. But keep in mind, I probably got a camera or four or five or six that I got to turn on before all this happens. So anyhow, I would just, there again, do what the turkeys are doing. And if they're not doing anything, try to find out what works. I mean, hit them with – you don't have to be fancy with your call. If the old gobbler gobbles to what you're doing, then why why change? And if they're already starting your way, don't don't keep calling. If You know what I'm saying? If they're already answered your call and he's coming, then just let him do his thing unless you're trying to, to get him fired up even more. But uh, – the hens usually control that situation if he's got hens. So, so you're going to have to do what they're doing. Okay. So a question I have then, so 
is it and yeah. this might be sound pretty basic i honestly don't know i'm not that big of a turkey hunter but i'm getting more and more into sure. it on if you yelp if you're just doing your basic yelps and the turkey got the tom gobbles back does that mean he's interested and he could start to come or is that just a reaction instinctual thing i think a lot of times it depends on how hard you're hitting him if you're cutting at him and stuff like that it could be either or but i will say this Nine times out of ten, if a gobbler cuts you off in your call, he's very interested in what you're doing. And a lot of times, I'll I'll give you an example. (laughs) I've got a gobbler here that uh, will not answer the box. He won't answer the diaphragm call. He won't answer my Slater glass calls, hardly Mm -hmm. at all. If he does, I may get one response. But he will answer my natural voice. Why that is, I don't know other than a frequency or something he hasn't heard. I don't know. Is that? I've called this rascal up twice, and I've been trying to kill him with my bow, but he just, I've had him 10 yards. I'm waiting. I'm just trying to get the video footage, and he will not commit to the decoys. He struts around and just stays close, and then he'll walk back off after a little while, and I just can't get a get a, get an arrow in him. Do <laughs> you think on a Tom does that to, like, what call they prefer over another call, or do you think it's just that individual? I, I think that the individual is just something that he likes about that particular tone and frequency. And I've run into that a lot with some of these hard gobblers. Uh, he's, he's so used to the hens coming to him. He's probably a three, four, five-year-old turkey that's been around and has been called that before. Now, I think we give turkeys sometimes too much credit, but they do have a, a, a sixth sense sometimes, that, and they're just some of them are more timid kind of like your whitetail coming into a decoy that they're more timid and they'll circle it or go out around it and won't come in. Then you have this old aggressive gobbler that'll just come in and wear it out, Mm -hmm. but he's by himself and um, he's used to those hens. I I called a hen up an hour later that came in, you know, to the, to the decoys, actually two of them. But that gobbler for some reason is just a little timid, but, uh, so I don't know yet. I've only got another day. I may have to break out the old Benelli. I've got a tack, I've got a tacticam one of those FTSs mounted on it. So I'm anxious to try that and see if I can get it down the down the barrel anyway. So well, Doug is probably the second place turkey hunter here on this podcast. Okay, Doug, do you think <laughs> I'll stop? Do you think? <laughs> Is that kind of the same like experience you've had? Like certain birds are just kind of stubborn in your area, or are you more just like Yelp? They come in, they come in, type of thing. Um, yeah, like Philip said, sometimes you know you use a slate call and it's not working. You throw a diaphragm in and they just fire up out of nowhere. So, yep. maybe it is the frequency like he's saying. I, I I just keep trying different stuff till it works. I guess. Yeah, hey, exactly. Me That's up. what you have. To do. A little different. Everybody prefers their sexy, right, Steve? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, well less you know, with that trashy bar voice, none of us up. <laughs> yeah, that smoker's voice really gets me. That gets my attention. Hey, well, yeah, get me a cocktail. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, and, and, and you run into that. Uh, I, I've also found, for the most part, eastern turkeys, for the most part, are probably more aggressive to decoys overall than I think than a Rio and that's what I'm hunting here is these Rios but a lot of times they'll just come in and wear them out I've never I've never not had them come in but this year is odd I I don't have very many turkeys here I only know of one goblin turkey where I'm hunting and that's unusual I usually come out here and do the kids hunt and then we'll kill two a day 
in that two-day season, uh, we'll kill, I'll, I'll end up killing two per day. It's, it's weird. I don't know what's happened to the turkeys. I'm not seeing them, hearing them. Interesting. Yeah. Quarantine, they're laying low. They heard about <laughs> Yeah. I, I just don't think I – don't, I think the numbers are down everywhere I've been. I, I don't know how you all feel out there. You're in, what, Illinois for the most part? Iowa. Illinois. Oh, Iowa. Iowa, Illinois. Iowa now, I know they've got, you know, turkeys, but I don't know about Illinois. Kurt, you're the odd man out now. Maybe Phillips <laughs> just coming in the essential gobbler. Yeah. He- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm curious, too, like, because um, like, I've seen about how when a lot of people are going into quarantine, um, a lot of, like, wildlife, uh, like, especially out in Italy, like, dolphins and, like, brants are coming closer to the shore because people aren't out. I'm wondering if Animals aren't like not seeing a bunch of people out now. They're starting to get into other areas that they were like, nobody's here. Cool, we're safe. That's all the turkeys are filled. They're all in the city. So yeah, they <laughs> went to the city where it's safe. <laughs> they very well may be. Of course, you know, uh, out here, I don't know. They could be in the old farmer's yard up there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, but, uh, it's it's different to hunt. I don't know if you caught that. What's your favorite subspecies of a uh, turkey to hunt? Whichever one gobbles the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about hearing them gobble, spit, and drum, you know. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's the, the Easterns, I, there's something about hearing an Eastern turkey gobble. They just got that big, booming gobble. And and I have to, you know, say I, I, lo- I love to hunt all of them. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about a big old Eastern, especially in, in Southern Iowa, Northern Missouri, probably over there in Illinois in, in that area as well. That, you know, that just rocks my boat and the spitting and drumming, you know, that they do, but they all have their place. These Rios are very vocal normally. And I really enjoy that. Um, I called up a, a gobbler the other day for this little boy, um, for the youth season. And, um, Listen, he's already missed twice, but I bet that turkey gobbled 150 times on the roost in no telling. It probably caught him a third of a mile across the wide open pasture right into the DSD decoys. And, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, he just spit and drum the whole way, you know. And the moments like that always is good. So, you know, it's – and then, you know, you got your Merriams. It's got that little crazy gobble, and they, they're beautiful, you know, the colors and stuff. Uh, I love to hunt them all. I don't. I, I mean, if there's a turkey somewhere that'll gobble, I'm all about it. Wherever <laughs> it's at. I'll just tell you, I don't. Now, I, I get enough of it. I got a. Uh, I got a question to kind of piggyback on that. Um, I want to ask you because I, I've got a favorite turkey that you've killed. Uh, do you have a, ver- a favorite turkey that you've ever killed or a really memorable? For one? my, you mean personally that I've shot myself Pers- or you know, because yeah. it takes so many kids, you know, and and other folks, you know, but. Uh, personal gobbler that really stands out, obviously, would be the one that I shot, um, on my dad's, you know, basically on Easter and on my dad's birthday, you know, that I, Daddy's I gonna, 25th, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the 25th, fifth year anniversary, I guess would have to be probably the most special hunt for me personally that I've ever done because of my dad. And I shot him with my daddy's sweet 16 and it had been 25 years since I'd lost him. And it was a tribute to him. So absolutely. It would. And that's right there uh, where I just, on my own piece of property right there. That, um, So that's that's very special. Uh, that's an Arkansas hunt, yeah. 
Very I cool. think that would have to be. I mean, I've had so many. My daughter shooting her first turkey and stuff was, you know, obviously. And I want you to know this, Steve. You didn't know this. My daughter shot her first gobbler on the a cutting strutting in video. I think she was 10. I think. I think it was cutting strutting when I was with Hunter Specialties. That same tree that I shot my gobbler off from my dad. The same exact setup. Believe it. Really? That's awesome. Absolutely. There's so, something special about that tree. <laughs> it, it, it is. And my property goes up and borders it, and a, a friend of mine actually owns that little field. And I'm going to ask him about possibly doing it again this year. That may be where we take old Sly. He's uh, He's been around for several years. It's a gobbler. It's got a double beard, and he's got a right hook spur and we don't get those big long spur turkeys usually because of the mountains there but he's got them and his right one hooks up and his left one goes straight out and i'm hoping that i can get that gobbler for run oh that'd be that'd be awesome i mean that's the uh, i, I want to i mean he i've got more history with him than i do any other animal ever on trail camera uh t- since 2013 and I guys say, oh, hey, you know, a gobbler's nine years old because I know he's at least two years old in 20, 2013. And because of his uniqueness of his spurs and his double beard, I know the gobbler. No kidding. That's crazy. Yeah. Damn. yeah. I didn't know how um, he's lived. Like I heard, you know, I know you guys say two-year-old, three-year-old. But I mean, right. What's the average age for a mature bird? Uh, I, I, I'm guessing on this, but, you know, probably – you know, I'd say very few of them live to be four or five years old, and it's a rare, unique case. I did check with the NWTF, so you guys know. There has a, a gobbler that's been recorded to live 13 and a half years old that they had Ooh. banded uh-huh. Dang. in, in upstate New York. Damn. Wow. I mean, birds are... So always- I know that they can live a pretty long life, and I think Sly, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's nine years old. Wow. That's I mean, a sad granddaddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And is it would be years? pretty special to to be able to. I, I want Rhonda to take him. That'd be cool. And I I'm, I may do that with the old shotgun. <laughs> just just <laughs> you know, I mean, he's lived a good long life, and and it's going to be a happy sad moment for me because I've got all these trail cameras and video and all this stuff of him, you know, over the years, and uh, and I could have killed him three or four different times, but he is never committed to give me what I want on video and i've let i mean he's beat me at at the game he's literally he don't deserve just to be shot if that makes sense <laughs> and so we're gonna we're gonna try our best to see if he will come in and uh possibly to the decoys and, and give ronda a shot that's that's my dream and, are you are you just sure you're not doing this just to get leverage on ronda it's like Yes, Rhonda. Hey, can you go ahead and cook dinner tonight? She's like, I'm tired. Like, remember when I let you shoot old Sly a couple years ago? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that will be it, – it would be, you know, just uh, – well, I just want her to get a gobbler, and she probably don't care which one to shoot there at home. You know, obviously, whichever gobbler comes in, and, and we just don't have very many of them. And right now, he's the only one I know that's on our property that we can hunt, you know. So we're going to try to go after him. I think, and hopefully, you know, another gobbler will show up. I mean, they're few and far between, guys. Our turkey numbers are way down there in, in northwest Arkansas, I'll just tell you. Hmm. And that's opposite for me because we have a bunch of turkeys, and I just can't kill one. <laughs> See, <laughs> you, you guys need me up there with you to kind of 
be your caller guide, you know. <laughs> Come on up anytime. Oh, I know, buddy. I, I'd love to, but gosh, I don't know. Uh, you're in Iowa? Yep. I, I do have a four-season Iowa tag, just so you know. <laughs> I do have one. Next we got the turkeys. I just can't kill one. We need to get oh. Philip up next year at Chandler's place for Turkey Palooza. I don't oh yeah, oh, turkey. Oh gosh, that guy. He's he's got a, that, That's a big buck killing fool right there, ain't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> he, he don't care about the gobblers as much and stuff as he does his deer, does he? <laughs> hey, so how, many, how many full mountain turkeys do you have in your house? I really don't have a lot. I've got uh, I've got two that I killed there in my home state that I mounted years and years ago. Both of them have 12 and a half inch paintbrushes and they're both probably, I think they're both three year old gobblers. Just, uh, in, I'm, th I'm pretty sure I don't know that a hundred percent, but then, uh, I've got one that I mounted years ago back when it's also an Arkansas Turkey that has inch and a half spurs that I thought, you know, that was the first time I, I mean, we're talking, I mounted these turkeys years back in the eighties, but they still look good. And then I've got a hen that I shot with my bow that's got an eight-and-a-half-inch beard. Uh, let me think. Mm -hmm. it was, and then when I've got one I shot also in Arkansas on public land that had three big, nice beards, triple beard, that's got big old hooks on him. And he was a public land gobbler. And I mounted him. But uh, that's basically all I think all I've got. No, I've got a red face gobbler, Arkansas turkey, that's got about the color of my hair. that you. The color of my hair years ago, let's put it that way, used to be that color. Kind of a rusty <laughs> red, if you will. During the loose change days. Yeah, back in the loose, that's right. Back in the loose change days. Back in the music days. That's right, buddy. One of each subspecies and like a world slam and a whole display in your place. That's what I had pictured Phil Vanderpool to have in his house. Yeah, I, I, I've got, you know, obviously lots of turkey beards. But the last few years, I mean, believe it or not, um, I've mainly – bow hunted for the most part I, I like to um and i don't say this in a bragging way guys please don't take this wrong but my my goal was this year to shoot four with a bow that would put me to 100 that i've killed with a bow that was I, i've shot 96 with my bow over the years um and believe you me a lot of these were a lot of tough turkeys back before we had the good decoys where i was running and gunning and, you know, obviously I'm very fortunate to hunt different states over the years and uh, I've been blessed to do that. But uh, uh, I was I was hoping to get that 100 this year. And there again, it's it's a personal thing. I, I, I don't brag about it. I don't tell people about that. Um, a lot of them have been killed out of blinds. A lot of them have been killed in them. I've done it all um, without decoys. And it's tough without decoys, I'll just tell you right now, running the gun and especially, you know, setting up against a tree, no cover, just calling the turkey up and trying to shoot him blind. And we're so much better off now because the bows have a lot better let off. You can hold them a lot longer. Yeah. And you've got blinds now that you can hunt out of and set up. And I've learned the patience skills. That's one thing that I didn't have a lot of for years, probably turkey hunting. If he didn't play the game or whatever, uh, I was up and after another turkey. But we had the numbers back then. Now you got to be a more selective. And I enjoy taking the kids. I enjoy taking the veterans. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to take uh, my two buddies. Um, 
One of them's already passed and gone. The other one's 95 now. But I took Calvin Walker for years. Calvin uh, is 95 now. Uh, his last gobbler he shot with me, I think it was 93. And um, uh, I probably won't get to do it with him anymore. But he, he has one arm and one eye that he was blind in. And he has to shoot with his right eye and he shoots with his left hand. And, and um, I was – him and I hunted for, uh, he killed a gobbler with me for, I believe, 27 years straight, guys. Oh, damn. Wow. And then my nice. other buddy that I took that I learned later in life had the birthday, April 6th. Um, uh, he, um, he passed away on me at 93 years old, and he was a World War II vet and served, uh, you know, in the military and won several um medals and stuff and the last few years i tried to do that april 6th thing and we've done it here in oklahoma because oklahoma opens up every year on april the 6th but um he passed away and i didn't get an opportunity in a hunt with him um, but i've been blessed to to call up guys that they're in their 90s you know turkeys and get to celebrate that and the last hunt i've done with calvin and and reese reese hogan's is the other guy Reese and Calvin, I, I brought them out here together, and we hunted down there at Terry Grantham's down there um, in south-central Oklahoma, and I was able to fulfill both of those guys' tags, uh, in, both being in their 90s, and Reese actually got his gobbler on April the 6th on his birthday. That's awesome. So, that, you know, that's always pretty cool. So, I've got to always – Oklahoma has got to be one of my favorite places to hunt because of those memories right there alone. And uh, that's also my birthday, April 6th. So I didn't get one this year, but I'm going to tell you guys, I pulled a boner. Um, I had this gobbler located real quick. I'll try to tell you the story. But um, knew about the gobbler. I uh, heard him gobble in there. Wasn't interested in my calls much at all, whatever I was throwing at him. He would gobble good on the roost, but I went in there midday, got in there about 12 o'clock, videoing myself running five different cameras, got a setup, got everything cleared up, got the decoys there where I could hopefully shoot him at about seven, eight yards when he, if he came in. Got everything set up about 2 o'clock. 4.30, I made the turkey gobble. He, he answered my call. He gobbled twice. I sat there until 5.30, nothing. I mean, and I, could, I, I called at him again. A couple times, but he would not answer the call. So I'm thinking 530. 530, he gobbled again one time. And I, well, I sat there till 10 minutes after 7. And it's overcast. I'm thinking, eh, he's going to roost in here early tonight because it's there's a lot of timber in there. And I was at the edge of a field. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I thought, man, I need to try to locate him. Maybe he was back to where he started from. He probably went back in there where I first heard him gobble it was way off the wind it kind of got up and stuff i thought i'm just going to ease up there and see if i can get him to, to gobble on the roost up here so i ease up there get up there on top i called a couple times didn't hear anything but it like i say it was pretty windy and i looked out there and there's a bunch of there was three bucks out there with knobs on their heads there and i was looking at them they had me pinpointed and i thought i can't go no further i'll bump the deer and that'll blow the whole thing Mm-hmm. So I kind of watched the deer there out there about a hundred yards, and I thought, now I better get on out of here. I'm going to fool around, and, and those deer are going to 
they're going to get curious. They're going to come back there and start snorting and stuff. So I decided to go back down there. I'd left the decoys and stuff out. I want you to know, I walked back down there. And when I got there, I caught some movement right there in the little tree line where I, where the decoys were at and where I set up. I look and this gobbler is going under this fence. I thought, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I go down there. I got a covert trail camera <laughs> as a POV angle back towards the decoys. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I wasn't gone 10 minutes. That son of a gun came into the decoys <laughs> and strutted, strutted away, perfect, and then was there about 30 seconds because I had it set on 60 seconds, about 30 seconds. He just goes back and goes under the fence. I don't know whether he's seen me when I came back or heard something, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't act like he was spooked. He just kind of went under the fence. I walked, slowly watched him walk off, and he, I sat there. Five hours I sat there <laughs> before that gobbler came in. And in that 10-minute time, he came in while yeah. I was up on that hill. That's, now, that's, that's just one of those things about having patience and outthinking the situation. He's not one of them that's going to gobble. And that, that's one of them. And he just put it on me. And that would I would have probably got to shoot my gobbler on my birthday. <laughs> If I stay put, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't but that's the way it goes, isn't it? That's funny. that's funny. But I'm just telling you a true life story, you know, just being crazy and stupid. That's funny. Patience. Turkeys like that. I, I'm kind of like a couple hours, and I'm like, all right, it's time to wrap it up. Like, yep. You know, you can only hunt until one anyway. So I know. Ridiculous. Hey, um, I know, buddy. Here, you mentioned earlier decoys. Um, Paul Serretta, um, he's a local guy huge supporter of ours he wants to know your favorite decoy setups from early season and how it changes as the season progresses my my i'll tell you um i'm just trying to be honest here a lot of guys like to use a lot of decoys i've really for me personally i guess because i do a lot of self video okay so my main setup may be different and then i take other folks so you're carrying a lot of stuff i le- i like to use uh oh. Dave Smith decoys is the brand that I use, and I use usually use the Jake and uh, a stand-up hen. Um, but I, a lot of times will put her, depending on the terrain and how well they can see, because one thing about decoys, I think it's all about the visibility. Um, and I'll just tell you, I usually set the, the standing hen. A lot of times when I take the stake out from under, she'll set right there and i put that jake over it kind of in a breeding position and they've got a new jake this year that i'm i'm experimenting with and i can't tell you yet uh exactly how good it's working but that's probably my best setup um as the you know obviously you can take one the jake with a fan and put you a real fan on it and that works really well as as well sometimes you're going to have a gobbler that won't come into it just like this gobbler uh, that I'm hunting here because he's the only gobbler. I called his, by the way, I called him up the next morning, made the call. Once he gobbled, I shut up because I knew he was not going to come if I just kept up. An hour and a half later, he walks in, spits and drums at the fence, looking at the decoys. He never came into the decoys for about two minutes, and then he just turns and decides to walk off. And he did not have a hen with him that I seen. But 
there again, the situation, uh, I, I, Jake's seemed to work really well um, as, as a main decoy. But if you, if most of the time, depending on where I'm at, you, the further you get out west, seems like the hens work better. But with a hen, you've got to have the visibility. The Jake has the advantage because of that red, white, and blue head. Yeah. They see it good. Uh, and I th- but you can put usually put a hen and a Jake out there nine times out of ten, they're gonna come to the Jake and wanna thump on them, you know, for the most part. But you're gonna run into those occasional stubborn gobblers that either have been whipped off, he's a little more timid, maybe he don't wanna come into that decoy and will strut around it a little bit and go on. He may not commit. And I run into that more with the Rios and the Merriams than I do the Easterns, personally. Yeah. Seems like the further you get north, the the gobblers are more aggressive. Man, them southern Iowa, northern Missouri turkeys that I usually hunt every year, buddy, I'm telling you, you I'm and, and something else, and I know you got to think about it is safety, but I'm going to tell you that reaping them turkeys, that movement, movement is something that is really, really good on gobblers i i don't know what it is seems like even ones that a little time a lot of times are, are timid if you've got that real tail mounted on one out there or if you've got a fan and i'm not telling everybody to do this because you got to be careful and you got to be safe and know your setups but when i do a setup i'm gonna tell you something i'm thinking about when i do a setup where i'm not gonna get shot okay and believe me you me, I've got some stories to tell on that over the years. Uh, I do. I really do about how close I've had pellets come by me. No and shit. I haven't had any actually hit me. But uh, anyway, long story short, you have to think about your setup. So when you're setting that decoy up, you don't want somebody to be able to come in from the your opposite direction out there in front of you coming in shooting towards you. Mm-hmm. You want them decoys set out there where – you can see everything out there. And I do that for safety, but I also, for the most part, do that. you got to be careful. Know whether you're on public land or private land and what you can get away with. And sometimes, guys, you got to think about that because yeah. I'm going to tell you a story here real quick if you all want me. Oh, yeah. It's your you want to hear a story. I'm going to tell you a story that just happened this weekend. I won't, I won't talk because here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to to – get a landowner involved and lose everybody's permission to hunt on it. Okay. I was hunting with this little boy this weekend, me and, and the daddy. And this is a true story guys. And I'm going to tell you something, another wake up call. We're on private land. We think we're the only people that have permission to be on this property. This is up about two o'clock in the day, up in the middle of the day. We see these two gobblers out there on out there, and then we see a third gobbler down here. He's got the two hens, but the two gobblers up there, they're gobbling on their own. And we're watching them. And we decided to go set up on them. And we set up. And and I put the decoys out in front of us out here where we can see everything out in front of us. Set the little boy up. I'm back with the camera. I'm calling. And the gobblers are actually behind us but the guy says he knows the train he said i think they're going to come down the fence and come right around in front of us mm-hmm. gobblers gobble their heads off 15 yards but there's a little bluff back there behind me and this hang up well, they, well in the meantime we're sitting there okay 
they finally see the decoys. They've got a hand with them. Uh, she's yelping back there with them, and she's with them. But the gobblers actually are leading the leading the way, mm -hmm. and they come around, and they start down towards us from my left. So here I am, right over the shoulder of these guys. Okay, the gobblers are here to my left. Y'all can see my hand here. Mm -hmm. They find a place to get off. They're coming to the decoys here. The next thing I know is I feel this. Then I hear this wound. I hear this shot. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? I mean, I could feel the BBs just right by my head back here, about three or four feet. Unbeknownst to us, there was a lady and her son, and they had permission, guys, to be on the property. Okay? We later found out. They shot one of the gobblers that was coming down to us. They're not 40 yards from me in this, and the gobbler's less than 20 yards from me when they shoot. We're just waiting on him to walk out to the decoys. The other two, like right here, we got an eight-year-old little boy sitting between his daddy's lap. Well, that little boy shot. He's about 14, maybe 15. He's probably at the age that he's probably not going to get to hunt much more. They shot that gobbler. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not saying that they didn't call to him, but if they did, I did not hear them call, okay? The lady was very apologetic. It scared her to death. Uh, they got the gobbler. Um, here's the crazy thing that we found out. They saw our, my truck parked down there at the gate and parked right beside my truck and <laughs> called the landowner. The landowner told them, said, well, they're probably hunting back over on the ridge up here. Oof. Well, no, we're, we're hunting where the goblin turkeys are at. When you've got a goblin turkey, guys, there's going to be somebody after it more than likely. you got to think about that. That's a good point. And they came right in the way we walked in and everything and come right in behind us, and they were in that little patch of timber. And basically, from what I gathered, he just – he was the gobbler was going down through. He just raised up and and, and shot the gobbler. They come in and heard the, and we had the turkeys gobbling back here. I quit calling because they were just so close to us. Then I finally quit calling when they were right back behind us. But they were coming right to the decoys, and I and there again, I all I can say is, if you see somebody parked somewhere and you think there's somebody in that area and there's a turkey goblin, you're you're a fool if you don't think they're not on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, holy cow, I, guys! I'm telling you. That boom was so loud, and that shot going by me, I can't even tell you. I mean, I was I was too I, – I was shell-shocked. I, I literally was shell-shocked. I didn't jump up there and scream or anything like that, guys. I was, I was sitting there behind the cameras. The cameras were running the whole time. I got everything on video as far as the incident. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she was very apologetic. She she said, "Guys, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm hoping it's a learning experience for them because when you see somebody else parked there on a piece of property, don't think they're not going to be on the goblin turkey. I mean, have you know? All I'm and I'm not saying she was in the wrong. She had permission as well. But that's the incident that I just dealt with. Well, Philip, will that footage? Will you do anything with that footage, or will you not do anything with that footage? Probably not. Just because here's the deal. The, the landowner is a great guy, and it is so awesome to to let these kids hunt on his property. I don't want these guys to lose their, you know, pieces yeah. of property. Right. Um, it was 
brought up and here's what we ran into uh, uh, later on found out the guy that we were actually on we had permission through the guy that had it has all of it leased that had, runs his cattle on it and stuff and has, has the hunting rights but the lady knew the actual landowner we're right on the border of both properties the other guy the two brothers that had it leased they own all the other property that joins it it wasn't you know it's one of those situations and I'm not saying that anybody was in the right or wrong. They had just as much right to be on the property. I'm just saying, when you see somebody's vehicle there, my truck sticks out like a sore thumb. And I'm parked right there at the gate. They parked right behind me. And I'm just telling you all this is a uh, hopefully a learning experience because this is the third time in my life that I've had shell. The other two were on public land. And that's why you got to be careful, really careful on public land especially when you're using decoys and stuff. Matter of fact, honestly, guys, unless you, I don't know, unless you're in a, a food plot situation or something, I don't even know if I'd use decoys on public land anymore just because of that. Because our decoys, you know, take Avian X or the Dave Smith decoys. They look so realistic anyway. People, I'm, you know, people will come in there and if they see it, they're liable to shoot it. And that's why you have to be careful. So take considerate. Be considerate of other people if, if they're in that area and you think they're going to be there. Even if you don't know of anybody there, just thank God it, that it worked out like it did. Mm. Because I'm telling you, I was literally close enough, 40 yards of where that boy was shooting. And I caught that full load right, right here because I was sideways with the camera because I'd already turned the camera. I could see the gobblers right here. You, you had the front one, the back one was the strutter, and they were coming down through there, and they shot the strutter. And boom, you know, Lord, it scared me. To, I'm, I'm just telling you, it was a frightful thing. So if a turkey's died, it turned out a lot worse. It's location known, so it's not like a buck. You know what I mean? A buck, <laughs> you're only going to hear it if you're awesome. So, man, that that's a good point, man. And that's a good that's a pro tip right there. It's scary. I don't have to worry about that in a lot of places I hunt, but man, it's well, it's, thank goodness. But you never know. Some people will trespass, you know, and you hate to say that. That because you know I, I'm I'm a, for all hunters and I don't care what they hunt with I don't care if they hunt with a, a gun or a bow or a or a crossbow or a, a longbow, dude. I've always said this: if they ever open up rock season, I'll be chunking them. And that <laughs> came from Ben Rogers Lee, you know. Getting the old slingshot out. That's cool. <laughs> um, you know that He told me that personally years ago. Uh, at Bass Pro at a at a at a convention they had up there, you know, where actually I think it was a spring the spring ritual deal that they have, you know, the spring sale and stuff like that. There at the main Bass Pro there in Springfield, Missouri. Philip, yep. let's get two more listener questions real quick. Sure. Yeah, man. You kind of loaded. We might have already kind of covered a little bit of this. Um, this one there. So two that I I'm picking these two out because I want to know them which I think is the, the benefit of having a podcast, right? So um, Zach Wilson asks, uh, Zach Wilson from Kentucky, uh, when trying okay. to find a bird, do you use a locator call or will using your mouth for an owl or crow call work? When is it essential to use a purr or a cluck or is yelping fine? Um, well, now here's, here's what you gotta, what you got to do anytime you're trying to locate, right? Um, Especially up in the day, a lot of times I do this, uh, you know, when you're kind of running a gun and you get on that old log road. Now, 
one thing I do, I'm not going to say I don't call, but I would suggest to try a crow call up in the day. In the morning time, in the afternoon, and don't be afraid to try an owl hoop because, or, or a woodpecker call. I'll tell you, it depends on where you're at. Um, I found that, uh, you know, those uh, woodpecker calls that they've got work really well a lot of times up in the day or owl hoot or a crow call. I, a crow call is probably what I would most of the time up in the day I would use. The, the, the locator calls. Uh, the owls and stuff I use more early morning. Now, I'm not saying that owls don't hoot in the daytime. A lot of times they do, and turkeys will respond. But I use that first, okay? Give it just a little bit because what you're doing most of the time in the day, and when I call to a turkey, I'm trying to get him to shock gobble. Um, and if I use a call, especially if you're by yourself, don't do it for a long period of time because they're liable to gobble right in the middle of it and you don't hear it. But if you got somebody with you, stand them off a little bit to the side. Um, but I, I start out with the locator calls, like they said, the crow or owl or, you know, uh, the oscillated, you know, the woodpecker call, whatever you want to try. Yeah. Um, any loud noise. A lot of times I do it with my natural voice, and I'll tell you why. I just do that hoo all this stuff. I may just go like that and just – and see if that old turkey gobbles. And and if he gobbles, then hopefully, you know, you're you're good. You kind of got an idea. But a lot of times if they gobble right in the middle, middle of something that you're doing, uh, like a crow call, you may just hit it, you know, four or five times. That, ah, 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 and then just, and just wait for him to gobble. Hopefully he don't cut you off because depending on the distance he is from you. Mm-hmm. So try those little things there first, and then if I don't, buddy, I'm gra- I'm grabbing probably grabbing the box call or the mouth call. The box call carries a little better out there, and I I, I really like for a locator call is my favorite call is a box call to, if, for turkey because I've gotten so used to using it in Kansas and Nebraska out there because it's it carries a little better, and I can I can cut on one really well. So I hit that pretty hard, but you just gotta cut and got to kind of pause and then yelp because half the time they'll gobble right in the middle of it and you don't hear them. And that's what you got to be careful of. Um, but that's what I do. And, and, and depending on the train, I may go another 40, 50 yards repeat because I train changes is everything on turkeys gobbling. If you've got a little drawer or a holler right there, we call them there in the Ozarks, but you got a holler there and you stepping up on the ridge and go around there and it drops off there. I'm going to hit it again. And then then you got another train structure. I'm going to continue doing it, especially up in the day, because once he does, but I'll tell you what watch for more than anything. When you call with a call, have a tree. Look at your terrain before you make that call. Look at the train. Say, okay, if he gobbles right here, can I set up here? And can I, you know, real quick, can I set up here? Because if you're standing out in the open you call, I can't tell you how many times them suckers will bust you and, and, you know, they gobble and turn around, and then you're trying to head for cover, and they bust you. I've, right. I've seen – well, that just happened this weekend with the daddy, with the little boy that we did. He walked out and told me, said, now, when you go out there, you know, just go a little ways, call, go out there. And I'm sitting back there at the camera and said, I'm hearing all this through the headphones. And, I mean, he he's a pretty good caller. And I told him, I said, get excited. Hit him with some excited yelps or, you know, like you're cutting. Yeah. And sure enough, he did. He goes into that. Yep. Well, that old turkey just cut him right off. 
Well, he hit it again. I don't think he heard him gobble the first time. He hit it again, the turkey gobbled, and then he was right on top of him. He turned to run, of course, the turkey seen him, you know. <laughs> so it was over. But that happens sometimes. But, yeah, just look at your terrain. Also look for shaded areas. If I try to get you in that bright, sunny days, play that, you know, watch for that shade and kind of watch, you know, when you sit up there. So you can get in that shade and he'll be out in the sun, hopefully, you know, or have to walk out in the sun there and he won't get you quite as easy. Something shiny. Mm, okay. Just little things like that you learn over the years. No, good tips. Good tips. And then, and so the other question, Kent, Kent Williamson asked, okay. if you go out first thing in the morning and don't hear a single bird gobble, do you stay put and hope for the best or move on to another property? <laughs> well, <laughs> it depends on how much, property you got to hunt and and if you know there's gobblers in the area i mean if 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 you know for sure gobblers in that area i'll tell you what you might give it damn internet if they if they live they may have this spit and drum and they won't even gobble i can't tell you how many times i've heard that they may not gobble especially on public land they may not gobble until 10 o'clock, but if they've got other turkeys with them, just, and, and you know where turkeys frequent and you've got patience, especially me being a bow hunter, I'm probably, I may sit tight if I know gobblers are in that area. Now, if it's a, a situation where I know whether I've got other places to go and there's gobblers there, I may go hit that, come back to this place later on. Mm-hmm. That's what I normally do especially in a time factor in these states that don't have all day hunting. I may, if I ain't hear nothing there at daylight and I sit there and say, oh, let's run on down here at this other place that I know and I've got turkeys. I may go ahead and try that. And then if anything ha- don't happen there, then you've always got that place there. You haven't masked it up. Haven't bumped turkeys. Go back there and try it later on in the morning. I, I, I can't, I'll tell you how many in Ozarks there, especially when you get on the no logging road, that just goes and goes. I can't tell you how many times I'll go through there and call, uh, try the locator calls, then call and ain't hear nothing, and then come back a couple hours later. I can't tell you how many times I've killed turkeys on the way back because they probably heard you and, and end up down there later on, you know, um, and, and start looking. They remember where that call came from. Right. Um, but I, I, it's, I, I tell you, yeah, and I'm one thing. If you all figure turkeys out and get it down the path, let me know because I'll tell you right now, the people say turkeys are dumb. They are dumb, but they're the dumbest smart some bucks I ever seen. They, it's amazing how how they survive, and because everything's after them from the time they're born, everything, including the weather and the predators and the you know weather conditions and gosh, and the Philip Vanderpools. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Turkeys and Steve have a lot in common. The thing is, like, they're both smart, but they never applied themselves to a college degree. So you're just like, like, Steve watched wrestling and documentaries when he could have just like got an education. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, the the ability is there. (laughs) I know, man. It's potential. The round man with the square deal right there, buddy. (laughs) Look at him. That old beard's getting boy. That old beard's getting woolly. You going? You gonna jump? What are you trying to do, Steve-O? Uh, I'm I'm just trying to grow a beard up, but it's starting to go gray. I'm starting to look like PV a little bit, so you know, just I'm, <laughs> I want to grow a big beard, long hair, and I want to look like a hobo. I don't want people to talk to me anymore. Well, yeah, I, I, you'll end up 
you'll end up being one of those duck commander boys for it. So we won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, you I'd like to have the waterfowl. Hey, I might. Maybe that's my calling. Sit in a boat and shoot <laughs> shoot birds. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's fun to do. I've, I've never been duck hunting before. I'd, I'd always wanted to try it. I've never been. I might try it this year, but it's always you know during deer season and <laughs> you don't. I'm not. Anyways, might as well go out and try some waterfowl. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I might find my passion. I'll tell you what I love about waterfowl is is uh, just hanging out and having a good time with everybody, the camaraderie, and yeah. then when you have a good day, boy, it's 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 fun to watch everybody else. I love videoing. That's my thing. I love to video. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. I love videoing it. We just done, done a hunt. Uh, well, went up there and done a goose hunt with uh, Ken Hauser and, and Ryan. You know Ryan Hauser and them. Oh, yeah. Larry come and join us one day, but he missed out on the on the big day. The, the I think it was our third morning. My goodness, we all emptied out. And I actually shot my Steve. I shot my very first goose. Really, we were allowed three, and. Uh, Yep, I was last man standing because I was videoing everybody else, and Ryan grabbed a hold of the camera, and and then them boys worked their magic on the lynch mob calls, and here they come, buddy. It was awesome. That's awesome. It was it was awesome. I mean, I have to say, you know, it was fun because of the camaraderie and everybody. I mean, everybody limped it out, and it was fun. And, and then another hunt we done in Arkansas. I shot my. I guess that's been two. <clears throat> Not this last year. It's been, I think, be three years this this uh, fall. I went with TJ and, and Brady and the boys and, and George Lynch. And we all went to Arkansas. A buddy of mine down there invited us down there. And I shot my very first uh, ducks. And it was fun, buddy. I mean, the camaraderie. And to watch the dogs work, buddy. That's the whole key oh, yeah. thing is watching the dogs work and going and picking them up and, and, and stuff there. It is absolutely incredible. That's awesome. What's that? There's a place in Arkansas, because I didn't know Arkansas was, was big on ducks, and there's like a giant, giant mansion. It looks like the uh, like the, the shining mansion. It's like a you go there, and they're an outfitter. They set you up five, five-star dining, five-course meals, and then they take you out for duck hunts. And I can't think – I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, because I – I saw it once, and I cannot think of what the hell it is. Well, it, it wasn't White Oak, was it? White Oak Lodge? Now, that's the place we hunted there in Wiener. Um, we actually hunted on their property and some more property around there. They got a really, really nice facility. But there's a lot of them down there, you know, around that uh, uh, southern Arkansas there. That Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's big. I mean, Arkansas, I don't know if it still is, but you know, a lot of people consider Arkansas the, white, the waterfowl capital of the world. I got an aunt and uncle in Arkansas. I might as well explore that a little bit. I got an aunt and uncle in Arkansas with some property too, actually, Philip. So where, do you know where it's at? Do you know what location? I, I think an hour outside of Little Rock. I, I can lock okay. it. I'll let you know later. Yeah, that's probably got some waterfowl, basically. Yeah, I know they have, uh, they got some timber down there. So I but you I need just, to go down there. Some there's some good there's some probably some good deer hunting down there too. You need to check it out. They got some decent decent sized property. It might be worth checking out. No kidding. I think they got a hundred acres. I got. I got. I got to live in Illinois. You know what I mean? Like to go to Arkansas to kill a buck doesn't really. Nah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but you don't think about that. But I'm telling you, that just keep in mind down there where they're at. There's some big deer, especially you get along along that. Uh, that um, what is it? The White River National Refuge down there, bud. That's they kill some giants down there, buddy. I mean, big deer. I love. <laughs> 
I'll let you know where I'm where they're at, and I'll see. Uh, well, we don't have no big deer in Arkansas. I want everybody to know that we do not, <laughs> especially in the Ozarks. Well, I'm for, honestly, we we're not known for big deer, but I can tell you right now, <laughs> I've got a hundred and eighty four and five inch eight inch buck right there from the Ozarks, and I've got a buddy who just broke the new state record next county over so we're starting to get some big deer but the cwd has hit us so hard where i'm at and i'm really having to deal with that but uh, there, there's some big deer and i'll let you know for sure where they're at and uh we'll connect you're, you're more in agriculture down there is what i'm telling you uh down there uh there's a lot of agriculture there's some been some big big deer killed down in that in that area where you're talking where your family's from no kidding Okay, we'll talk. We'll have a conversation. Okay. Yep. Let me know, and and I'll I'll be more than glad to help you out anyway. I'm going to give you some ideas cool, down cool. there, but that's that's some good. That's a, that may be a good area. My goal now, I want to kill. I want to kill a turkey with Philip Vanderpool. That's on my bucket list now. Well, hey, we're going to do that, partner. We'll do it with a gun bow. We'll reap them, fan them, shoot them, call them, whatever you want to do. I, hey, the sky's the we- limit with me. I just love turkey hunting. Looking we all like should work the calls, and I like to fool them a little bit. If you want to get them up close, we can get them right in your face with a reap. I can get them fired up, calling them, and then pop the old fan. If if you got some good areas where you you know good visibility where it won't get shot, <laughs> fun. I'll scope it out. I mean, see. We all should be more excited to kill turkeys and birds because you know if you think about it, they're the closest living thing to dinosaurs, and we're never going to be able to hunt dinosaurs. So hunting a turkey is like killing like a T-Rex, you know? <laughs> there you go. Well, anything I can call in, even when it comes to whitetails, you know, the grunting, rattling, wheezing, and then the turkeys, anything I can call in and know that I'm being the hunted and bringing in and I'm making it happen just adds that much more to my adrenaline rush. For sure. For sure. Well, thanks for but- doing this podcast, man. I think because we don't know what we're doing with this whole uh, video conference, we'll probably close it out here and hope to God it all works. And uh, <laughs> the so. podcast on turkeys to watch. Yeah, well, just I just want to say, boys, thank y'all for y'all, my buddies, and and I know Doug and and uh, and uh, what's his name back there, old Dumas Walker. Dumas Walker, yeah, old Dumas there. <laughs> I, I, miss those, I miss those big old side jobs he had. Man, that, that was crazy. But I don't you know. Don't, have, don't, don't I've be had the hunting with them boys, and we've had some good times. I'm going to try to set, guys, just so you know, I'm going to try to set us all up where it's obviously affordable, but at the same time where we can go all share a hunt camp again and, and do that. Cause I really enjoyed Eric, you know, you know, we've, we've had a couple of really good hunts together and uh, Doug and, and I like it. These other boys, Kurt and Steve, cause I know y'all be, it'd be a hoot man to go dinner. I'm working on a place in Texas, just so you know, and that's something we could do later, you know, like in like maybe January or December or something, you know, when when we're all got the big rut out of the way for, you know, our Midwest whitetails, but where we could go down and kick her heels up and, and just have some fun and shoot some deer and and yeah, we're down do what we love to do, man. You know, so but I appreciate you guys. Y'all do such a great job. Thank you for having me on here. And, uh, gosh, Kurt, we will hook up, brother. I promise you on that, on the turkey hunt. Uh, maybe we can work it out this year. I don't have a real busy schedule because everything is pretty limited. I know we got to watch this COVID-19 thing, you know, in the quarantine. And, 
Well, let's talk and uh, stuff, you know. If, you, if we can get you an Illinois tag, if there's still any left, let's talk Turkey Palooza. Well, and, and listen, I don't have to have a tag. I can come out and hang out with you boys and film me and have just as much fun. you got to understand, TJ, I enjoy the hunt. TJ, I killed him. Huh? TJ and Brady are coming to Turkey Palooza at Chandler's place, so you might as well just join them. Well, are they going to still come, you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as of now, we're still set for later this month. Or later, no, it's second weekend of May. Second weekend of May. I may, golly, I may be in Iowa then. I, I, I'm not sure, but if, if we can work it out, let me know what your schedule is. I'll come over there and video you. I mean, and call yeah. Will, or we'll get somebody to video you and I together or whatever. Okay. I don't have to be the shooter. Right. Hey, maybe, that's one thing I love about turkey hunting. You don't have there's, to shoot the, turkey. the turkey to enjoy the hunt. Just, okay. just running the calls, man. We'll connect this week. We'll, we'll touch base on it. Sorry, okay. Doug, you were get you were. Maybe I'll uh, tell you to get Eric's first turkey in Iowa. Yeah, you can call me <laughs> in my first one. <laughs> Boys, I, I tell you, I, I'm all about it. Just just so you know, and I may have the real McCoy with me. You know that old left lane Larry. He <laughs> may end up running something together. <laughs> best, best in the West. Yeah, but guys, uh, really appreciate y'all and and uh, keep those uh, slick tricks all sharpened up and that elite ready to, to go. It would be right. fun, and we can do it running gun, or we can we can set up some blinds. Whatever, anyhow, you guys want to do it. Just you want to kick back and just enjoy a hunt. You know, turkeys are at. I'm good with anything y'all want to do. Sounds good to me. Hey, and then at night, maybe we can go shoot some uh, shoot some fish. Uh, get an Iowa. Our license will go uh, bow fishing. Bow fishing? Boy, that's fun, isn't it, dude? Hey, I'll run the camera for y'all. I mean, seriously, I, I love it. I'm like a bow fishing this weekend, actually. We're, table. We gotta, we're running out of time. Eric, you got anything? Nope, just thanks, Philip, and I hope we can uh, do deer camp or some kind of hunt again together sometime. And Absolutely. For coming on, man. Thank you for having me, bud. You know, I love you boys, and uh, I appreciate everything. So, good luck, God bless, and uh, just uh, – Remember, if you get an opportunity to take someone less fortunate and introduce them to hunting, man, because we need we need to keep that going. For sure, for sure. Steve, Doug, all good. Just thanks, Philip. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Y'all everybody. Be safe and, and God bless, man. You bet. Yep. Take care. Okay, good luck, everybody. Yeah. All righty. And and let everyone know out there uh, if they want to message me or PM me with their questions. I'll feel free. I'll probably have them to call me and, and we'll talk on the phone because I, any way I can help anybody on a hunt or any questions they've got, whether it be bow gun, taking a kid veteran, how to set up. I'm, I'm open ears. So just cause I didn't answer everybody's questions, just let them know that I'll be more than glad just to PM me on Facebook and we'll hook up some way and I'll make sure that their questions are answered. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Philip. All right, everyone. Hopefully this all worked out. Thank you so much. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 930 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.